This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest philosophers to your fingertips. With more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more, The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Secret Life of Words, English Words and Their Origins. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Mr. and Mrs. North America and all the ships at sea. I am Philip Terzian, literary editor of the Weekly Standard, and this is my weekly podcast on the books and arts section of the Weekly Standard. This week we're looking at the June 22nd issue of the Standard, which begins with a review of a book entitled Ty Cobb, A Terrible Beauty by Charles Learson from Simon Schuster. Ty Cobb, of course, is the famous, the great early 20th century uh, player from Georgia, the Georgia Peach, I think he was called, um, who played for the Detroit Tigers and remains to this day one of the great, probably one of the three, four, five greatest players in the history of baseball. But Ty Cobb has, has suffered to some degree from his reputation um, as a uh, frenzied, uh, violent player and uh, perhaps because he was from Georgia as a racist. And this book, Ty Cobb, A Terrible Beauty, um, looks into all that and discovers that, in fact, the Ty Cobb that you think you know, um, especially if you watched Ken Burns' um, documentary on baseball from 20 years ago, or read um, the most recent biography of Ty Cobb, which was uh, produced about 20 years ago and I think heavily influenced the Ken Burns documentary, uh, you will find that the Ty Cobb of reality is remarkably different from the Ty Cobb of uh, the popular imagination. And our reviewer, Jeffrey Norman, um, explores that in some detail in a very interesting and, I think, uh, eye-opening piece. That is followed by an essay by Heather Tressler on the new um, biography and study uh, by Calm Toybin from Princeton University Press entitled On Elizabeth Bishop, Elizabeth Bishop, who lived from 1911 to 1979, is one of the preeminent American poets of the 20th century, um, had an interesting and uh, uh, in some ways exotic life, lived in Brazil for a time, um, and was very much a part of the mid-century American literary establishment, and whose poetry uh, seems to be... Um, surviving, her reputation of her poetry seems to be surviving into posterity. And this is, to my knowledge, the first major study of um, uh, Elizabeth Bishop in some years, whose um, whose work was recently collected in a Library of America edition, which I guess to some degree um, ratifies her standing among the, the greats. That is followed by a review by Sarah Lodge of a book entitled H's for Hawk by Helen MacDonald of Grove Press. Helen MacDonald is a, uh, a Scottish woman um, a writer 
whose father died rather suddenly uh, some years ago, and um, she found um, a therapeutic outlet for her grief, which I guess was deeper and more enduring than she expected, in, of all things, falconry. And that brought her to write this book about how uh, falconry uh, saved her life, but also with it comes a potted history of, of falconry and the role of, of raptors in in literature, in art, and in the Western imagination, um, a fascinating book. Uh, one of those, one of those um, uh, uh, trees that um, grows out of a, a rather modest seed. And Sarah Lodge has written a very elegant and interesting uh, um, essay on the question. That is followed by a review by Thomas A. Kohut of a book entitled Ataturk in the Nazi Imagination by Stefan Ehrig um, from Belknap Press. Thomas Kohat, historian of Germany at Williams College, and Ataturk in the Nazi Imagination um, is a study of um, the extent to which the uh, post-World War I Turkish nationalist leader, uh, Mustafa Kemal, who, who um, pulled Turkey out of its Ottoman um, uh, desolation and created the, um, I suppose, what passes for the modern state of Turkey. Um, the National Socialists in Germany um, saw parallels between Germany and Turkey. Turkey was, of course, defeated at the end of World War One. It was uh, the Ottoman Empire had collapsed. And out of the ashes of the old Turkey rose the new Turkey of Kemal. And the Nazis uh, saw um, a model in that and um, saw a model in that uh, to a greater degree that I think has been appreciated in this entire book, really, is a study of the extent to which the, the Nazis appropriated um, what was going on in Turkey in the 1920s and 30s for their own purposes. That is followed by a review of a CD uh, by Colin Fleming, and the CD is from Paul Lewis, um, who's a, a rising new pianist on the classical music scene, and this is a um, recording from Harmonia Mundi of uh, Modest Mussorgsky's uh, pictures at an exhibition, which is generally known in its uh, orchestrated form. Uh, it was, of course, orchestrated by Maurice Ravel um, about a half century after Mussorgsky died in 1881. But um, Paul Lewis's um, CD is, of course, the original version, as Mussorgsky wrote as a piano piece. And I think Pictures in an Exhibition is probably one of the um, 10, 12, 15 best-known classical compositions um, uh, to um, listeners, uh, certainly listeners of classical music on radio. I know the classical music station in Washington, D.C., um, when you turn it on, you have a uh, more than uh, five to seven percent chance of hearing it. But it's one of those pieces that it's a brilliant piece. It's 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 undoubtedly the um, the best thing Mussorgsky wrote, and it's 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 remembered and popular for a good reason. And I tend to prefer the the piano version myself. Others will disagree, but um, Paul Lewis seems to have produced a, a brilliant version which Colin Fleming thinks very highly of, and I think you will enjoy reading his reasons why. John Podhoritz's uh, review this week is of the new um, spy spoof-slash-thriller 
uh, starring Melissa McCarthy, entitled Spy. Um, if you're a Melissa McCarthy fan, John makes the point that spy spoofs, James Bond spoofs, are, are really a dime a dozen in the history of uh, contemporary cinema, and even James Bond movies have been spoofed as long ago as Casino Royale, which was 50, almost 50 years ago. Um, but if, like me, you have a reasonably um, uh, uh, endless appetite for Melissa McCarthy, um, you will find the movie worth going to. But as always, John writes about Spy in a way that um, even if even if the genre, even if the star, um, even if the director or whatnot doesn't appeal to you, especially, John makes it something very interesting to read about. That is our Books and Arts section for the June 20 section, uh, 22nd issue of the Weekly Standard. I thank you very much for joining me for a few minutes to give you a preview, and I look forward to talking to you about next week's issue, which will be um, twice as long as usual. It's our summer reading issue coming up uh, at the, at the big end of June, beginning of July, and I look forward to talking with you about that.